0: Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer for your quarter videos, and a tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Bye Bye Weekly Behind the Scenes DM-only livestream Crafting the Deep, which I build, write, and prepare for our next session of Craft uh, Call from the Deep. What is the campaign? <laughs> I have not done this for uh, as many sessions as I need to, apparently. Uh, I do not know who our player characters are going to be, but I do need to send their primer out very quickly. We'll be talking about probably house rules for a good chunk of this session. Um, of course, for the rest of you, welcome. There will be spoilers. As we stream our sessions here on the channel every Friday evening. Watch all these sessions and reviews on YouTube. You can join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you would like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use Roll20 for streaming. I use OBS Studio, by the way. Do check out my latest uh, Roll20 review, which is of the Marvel Multiverse RPG, which I think if you are into 5e and have experience playing D&D 5e and you enjoy Marvel, I think that actually does a pretty good transition because as somebody who has not played a whole lot of RPG systems except for 5e, uh, I could grok the Marvel Multiverse RPG system pretty well and I've also covered some of the uh, adventures and things that are available on there. And it comes with some new bells and whistles that a lot of Roll20 adventures haven't had. It's been interesting to see their um, glacial but... uh, pace at which they update things, but they do update things and there's a lot of quality of life improvements that I've seen over the years, so that's been pretty nice. For this campaign, we've talked about, I think at this point, all of Ghosts of Saltmarsh. We've covered everything I'm going to use, everything that I am not going to use, maybe some stuff I'll use as a side quest. I've briefly even looked at I haven't done this on stream, but looked at the underwater locations as uh, potential areas. These maps suffer maybe the most from not having good map art because they're supposed to be like different depths of water and elevation. It's difficult to even tell like what's above water, what's below water. But the idea behind them is pretty cool. They're just kind of underwater, little mini zones, some of them have little like dungeon spaces, others are just kind of outdoor areas. But uh, if I ever needed an area that needed to be explored, I guess, something that's maybe encounter level, or maybe even a little bit more busier than encounter, then I can use those, but I'm almost kind of using the Ghosts of Saltmarsh modules themselves as as that kind of content, so I don't know how much extra stuff I will actually need. But speaking of extra stuff, I do want to be able to cover all of Chapter 3 of Call from the Deep, which is the open world section of the chapter. This one's very reminiscent of Storm King's Thunder, Uh, And I think it's kind of similarly problematic like Storm King's Thunder. I mean, a lot of DMs probably like the style where it's like, hey, just throw all of the world building locations at me and I'll figure out what I want to pick and choose. To me, it's just a little too much content. I would prefer uh, fewer locations, but that they were more meaningful, more scripted and more interesting things going on. Now, some of them do, and some of them are actually given entire maps. So I'll probably uh, prefer going over those versus everything else. And I also want to talk about our house rules because... Session 0 is the time to be able to make any house rule adjustments or changes and especially if you've been watching my campaigns and adventures for years and years we've had an ongoing house rule uh, document that has been you know updated and modified and patched uh, throughout the years and I, like like famously we started with flanking rules that just ended up being absolutely crazy in favor of the players we finally dropped those So different rules like that, and things that I need to codify, for example, we have kind of a fast and loose rule about uh, one player kind of dragging uh, another player out of harm's way and then superimposing themselves in that way, basically exchanging places, and I think I've been using that as kind of like a bonus action, so maybe I need to like formally codify that. Um, A big thing for our uh, campaigns is potions. Uh, Previously we've been, I've let anybody drink a potion as a free action. Uh, that may be a little too powerful because I think as written, it's supposed to be an entire action, but also having an entire action trick drink a potion feels a little shitty. So, you know, maybe there's a good compromise in there. I think a lot of people tend to use bonus action or there's actually a discussion in our Discord server right now where I kind of asked folks where they stand on, the, you know, those kind of rules, and I think there's some good discussions going on in there, so this would be a great time, so have those discussions in the Discord channel, uh, let me know, you know, in the live chat, or on the uh, comments, if there are any house rules, because I'm not really going to necessarily go over all our house rules here in the stream, they're posted, uh, you can look for them on the Discord server, or on my website at roguewanson.com, and if you have, or just if you, if you recall any... Things that have annoyed me or have annoyed you as a viewer that maybe we need to work on changing or updating. This is, before the campaign starts, is a great time uh, to go through and do that. And as part of my primer, which is what I'm going to be giving out to my players, uh, this week, hopefully, in terms of like, hey, here's you know the information you need to make a character before Session Zero, I would love to be able to give out a updated uh, house rule sheet. And obviously we can discuss it during Session Zero, but that way the players have that as kind of a, a forewarning or, you know, a heads-up on any kind of changes we're going to make. Like, for example, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 has a lot of interesting balance changes. Now, some of them are in service of it being a video game versus a tabletop RPG, but others are just, you know, ways of rebalancing different aspects of 5e that maybe needs to be rebalanced. And frankly, that I think Wizards is doing with their... Are we calling it 1D&D still, or is it like 5.5 edition? I don't know what it's being called, but there's some kind of release... Uh, coming, I believe, next year to celebrate a big anniversary uh, year for D and D, and I think they're. It's sounding more and more like it's going to be kind of a little half, you know, addition that's backwards compatible and all this. But those are the kind of changes, and it would be nice to implement those kind of things. Exhaustion, for example, is always uh, kind of a hot button topic. That's. Uh, Tricky to work around. We use a lot of exhaustion rules in Rhyme, so I'm probably not going to use too many here because this shouldn't be any kind of and, and you know we we've used exotic crazy locations uh, with all these certain limitations in my previous campaigns. This one, granted the ocean is its whole other thing, but the biome is just kind of a normal, you know, it's a sword Coast, so shouldn't have any of those special things. So which campaign is this? Saltmarsh. Um, or you're borrowing from parts of Saltmarsh. Uh, Mad Mage, are you new to the crafting streams now? Because I have said this many, many times, but I suppose it does bear repeating. So, in lieu of using a silly portmanteau of, uh, you know, Ghosts of the Deep or something, I am basically taking Call from the Deep, which is a third-party adventure from the DM's Guild, uh, designed by JVC Perry. it been out for a couple of years, I reviewed it a couple of years ago, uh, as, a, as my nautical campaign, because Ghosts of Saltmarsh, I don't think makes for a very good campaign taken on its own, but it does have good content in there in the form of all these kind of drop-in dungeon adventure module locations. So what I'm doing is I'm taking Call from the Deep because I think it does have a better story with um, overarching villains and just cool cinematic moments happening as my main framework for the Nautical campaign, and then inserting different modules from Ghosts of Saltmarsh into this campaign. So I'm really mashing them together. I'll probably end up using... I don't know, what is it, about 60% of Ghost of the Saltmarsh or something? Ghost of Saltmarsh? Uh, into this campaign. And in fact, we'll be starting with Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh as a way to kick off this campaign before we even transition into... And I, I think we'll be using that and Salvage Operation before we even get to Chapter 1 of Call from the Deep. So that's partly what's the challenge that I'm having to do. Not only do I have to fix all the fucking maps, because uh, Ghost of Saltmarsh has shit for map art for Virtual Tabletop, and unfortunately Call from the Deep uh, also didn't have very good map art. So that's going to be a big undertaking for me, but we also have to just make it narratively uh, work together. And my goal is also not to do a giant two-year-long campaign, even though I'm mashing up multiple campaigns together. <laughs> I irrationally hate bonus action potions. Uh, explain, Jason, why do you hate bonus action potions? Is it because there's too many good things you can do there? bonus action? Is it just a poor compromise? One thing I looked is uh, maybe everybody gets a potion slot. So, for example, you're f- the first time you want to drink a potion, it is a free action. But maybe any time after that, during the same combat encounter, it becomes the full action rule. That could be kind of a compromise. I think most combat encounters, you're not quaffing potions left and right. Hopefully, I don't. I mean, a lot of my players don't play healers either, so that they they tend to rely on these potions. It just gets a little silly. I don't know with the potion quaffing. It feels a little more Diablo-ish, you know, where you're just, you have, there's no limitations behind them or anything, but also it's not necessarily a thing that's broken in our campaign. I haven't noticed it being a huge balance issue, so maybe I really don't need to try to fix it. So it's we're still on debate on that one. Something Baldur's Gate 3 does do is limit short rests. You can only do two short rests per day, which is interesting. But then there's no real hard limitation on long resting. It's just like you need rations, but there's rations to be found anywhere. Other games like Solasta use like certain camping supplies that you have to have but again, you can probably find those camping supplies pretty regularly, so it's not really a hard deal. It's such a tricky thing to be able to do the rest system and that's it's the entire balance of the game. I will say that that might be something that I don't need to fix because my players, bless them, have never really abused long rest. It's very rare where they really try and rest in a place where I won't let them. And I've already codified in my house rules, you do not get to automatically rest while traveling. That way, it it includes travel in the adventuring day, essentially, so you can, you know, when you set off on your quest or adventure, you're fully healed, but then all those road encounters plus the location you're at, you know, those those all is included in the same adventuring day, and I think that works out to be better pacing and makes road encounters actually more meaningful versus otherwise not really mattering because you would just simply get to a long rest again, so that is something that we do, And, and... You know, I I get pretty lenient about long resting. I try to look at the parties, like, um, overall, uh, well, their attitude, first of all, but their resources, and see where they're at, how many short rests they've had, if they can long rest at, like, you know, when they've cleared a dungeon or somewhere else. Clearly, if they're on their ship, they should be able to long rest as well, so it'll be, that will be a little bit harder for me to grok, because, I mean, if you can't get the benefits of full long rest on your ship, then what the fuck are we doing, but... Hopefully the other option is we just don't bog them down with too many uh, encounters cuz I've found that throughout a lot of the polls I've run and the feedback I've gotten people really don't like travel in D&D compared to every other aspect and I get it because traveling it really takes away a lot of the agency of players you're basically just along for the ride uh, at least the way we do it you know and it's not really an open world game where you're necessarily choosing literally where you go and then the the DM's just dictating like you know things that happen to you Versus you're in a dungeon and you're going through and you're making all these decisions and you're seeing where the things are. You know, it's so, I get it. I do. You're still calling out one D&D. It's really 5.5. Yeah, that's what I thought. I always liked how you did potions. So for my potions, it's just been, yeah, you get a free action to drink a potion. I think if you administer to somebody else, then it becomes an action. Although I've also heard Baldur's Gate, they let you just yeet uh, healing potions at people like grenades and heal them that way, which is pretty funny. Yes, you're right, Mad Mage. I I do recognize the name. I appreciate you coming back. <laughs> a complete homebrew post-apocalyptic campaign. Uh, have you checked out the Doomed Forgotten Realms? By the way, um, that's a really really cool series on also on the DM's Guild, where that's also a post-apocalyptic uh, campaign in which all of the bad villain stuff has happened, and it was all orchestrated by. Uh, oh god, I can't remember the name. The Arch Lich. Not a Serac, the other one. Um, Vecna. <laughs> I had to think about Stranger Things for a second. Um, it's all like Vecna is like the Thanos of, of this post-apocalyptic campaign. I believe it's called Doomed Forgotten Realms. I forget what the individual episodes are called. But Doomed Underdark is actually coming up uh, quite soon, I believe. Weeks away. What a section of cool things players can do and potions take it away. And it makes... Things easier for the players, and balance is already too much in favor of the players. Okay, so you're saying we need to keep potions as an action, then. Balance is already too much in favor of the players. I do agree that players tend to kick ass, but... I suspect that's one of the reasons why my group likes to play D&D. Honestly. Uh, We like the... The power leveling, the power curve, feeling like badass superheroes. Like I've played with my players for years and years now and been friends with them for decades now where I think that is a big source of how much fun they have is how much they can kick ass. Um, that doesn't mean that we can't have challenging fights and you know really make them use their resources, but I would definitely be worried about rebalancing too much to make it more of a like realistic or gritty game and a lot of people do like that you know where death is always on the table and it's more like a roguelike you know experience and we're worrying about rations and food and and survival mode and all that and I don't think my particular group would enjoy that at all and that's not what I'm saying that simply changing the potion rule would be but it's just the experience I've had. Bonus action potion, get the role that I see how much you get, and do full action plus movement plus bonus action potion, get the maximum healing value the potion can provide. Yeah, were you the one having this discussion in the Discord channel? Because that's what I was uh, reading about as well. Yeah, healing grenades. <laughs> that should be like a whole uh, like alchemist ability or something to be able to just huck grenades at you. When you think about like glass shattering and stuff, like that should like damn. Maybe Make an attack roll or something. <laughs> Alright, well, while we're discussing this, I'm going to go over the, uh, as I said, chapter 3, which is something I haven't really looked at too much of Call from the Deep, so we're actually back talking about Call now. And seeing if any of these open world locations are worth exploring or checking out, which, holy shit, there's a lot in here, this is a very, very long chapter, and... Frankly, what I initially thought was chapter two was, you know, the attack on on the cities, which I want to do. I'm going to combine all three attacks and just put them in Neverwinter, So it's going to be one big, awesome, like, defend the city against this huge threat. It's going to be like, you know, chapter four of Rime of the Frostmaiden, but amplified even further. Granted, we don't have a giant dragon involved, but we have all these different evil factions all with their own goals. And it's going to be a whole thing for the players to do. And then after that... Their goal, the, the game, you know, that'll be a, a narrow point and then the game will open up again and they'll have several different quests and leads and, and ways to proceed towards the main quest. What I thought is Chapter 3 is basically that content, but actually Chapter 2 in the individual quest section had a lot of side quests as well. And those side quests led to various Chapter 3 locations as well as had those follow-ups where the players could then make sure they get on track to get to Chapter 4, which is uh, hunting down, seeking... Tentric. So, you know, weird way, Chapter 3 is kind of entirely optional, uh, which I didn't realize when I first uh, looked at the adventure. So, I don't even know how to cover all that. I mean, and some of them are, like, our deep forest. Like, we don't need to cover things, frankly. I want to keep it a nautical campaign. I don't want to go too far into, uh, like, land. I'm trying to go through, like... So, I don't know if I need to necessarily... Like east of any of the big cities, especially. Like maybe. I, I bet Neverwinter Woods in here. Maybe I should stick to the ones that are in water or that clearly have maps involved. Although I'm not going to be able to recognize where a lot of these places are. As Carl's obviously like where the end game is. I don't know where a lot of these are. Olimir is a merfolk settlement in a deep sea trench around 3,000 feet down. Okay, they do have suggested encounters, which is kind of nice. Pyrene mutations appear in the enemy homes during hours of rests. There's a deep scion transformed by Slaarkorthel. Keep an eye on Olimir. I don't know where this location. I assume it's on the map somewhere, but unfortunately, I can't just Google Maps my way around this map. <laughs> it's been formed the 10 C spawn and six deep science to assassinate them. The group half. Each group tries to surprise every character in their sleep. Okay, so assassination attempt at a merfolk city. I don't. The problem is I don't have any kind of maps for this. So this is all take. I have to really pick and choose my battles here, literally, because all of these would require fancy bespoke battle maps that uh, would require a lot of mar- uh, work to pump in there. Oh, there's Alamir right fucking there, right in front of the map. It is on the map. So that is a merfolk settlement, which probably shouldn't be on this, I don't know how well known this, this place is. I mean, maybe it's worth going somewhere just to visit and have a discussion, but not necessarily have a map for, I don't know. Clearly we could try to use uh, gillian in some way, but I believe gillian was a triton in our Tomb of Annihilation game. Um, maybe I'll have to replace some of the merfolk or Seal's with tritons, because I haven't seen tritons really be used. Uh, Alaron is a Isle of the Moonshays anything going on here High King dared. escort a keelboat called the Silvery Horn between the cities spellcasting marrow known as a Moroni attacked a trade ship two days ago get the Silvery Horn to carry Cardell safely literally an escort quest a quals feather token swan boat that actually probably is a good item to give the players gives them like a little pokeball boat Uh, Talk about eight marrow and maroni with a wand of web, but I do like the idea of giving uh, wands to enemies. I don't really thought of that before. And one of the uh, marrow, I think pirates in chapter four, literally has like four wands, (laughs) like a wand in each hand. Such a fun idea. All right, let's go down to what is this one? Care Allison. This one has an actual map. Majestic underwater castle was built by an old High King of the Moonshays. Okay, so let's scroll down here. Alice. Yep, it's right in the middle of the ocean. In the middle of the Moonshay Isles. I don't think there's any main quests in the Moonshay Isles, despite this being a very prominent area of the map, so maybe I I should have some kind of content here. There's normally an underwater realm, and occasionally rises from the ocean to bask in the glorious sun when the weather is right. There's a 10% chance the castle is risen above the waves in the character's visit. Okay. Characters might wish to plunder the tomb of Queen Allison for the trove of treasure she's buried within. If they're able to swim down to the entrance, there's nothing to stop them from entering the tomb. Okay. What does this map look like? It is just an underwater castle. I mean, that's a fun idea. This is like a little sea cave they got to get through. Let's see, is this actually on the map somewhere? Yep, there it is. care Allison. Ah, the other bummer about using Call from the Deep, though, is none of the DM's Guild stuff, um, even though it is all available in Roll20, uh, has access to any of the Monster Manual stuff. I don't know why. I mean, you have to have access to the D&D IP to be able to publish on the uh, DM's Guild, and yet you don't actually have the artwork involved in the Monster Manual. So you don't get to use any of their actual art. So a lot of the tokens that you will find in this game that I've got running, which, where are the creature tokens? I'm going to have to redo all the tokens, in other words. And it's a similar problem I have to do with our current patron game as well. Look at this. These are all non-art tokens. Uh, Empire of the Ghouls, where that one is the same situation, where it can't use any monster manual art. Thankfully, they have a lot of art from all of their tomb, uh, Tomb of Beasts, releases so all the original cobalt press creatures are obviously there with art but none of the monster manual stuff is so in addition to doing all the map art I'm going to have to do all redo the tokens now I don't have to do the manual I can drag things over from the compendium because I have the monster manual loaded up in roll 20 but it's still going to be a pain in the ass to do it for almost every single creature uh a yeth hound I don't know what that is serve evil masters like hunting dogs okay it's an evil fey dog. Guard towers. Features a scrag. I also don't know what that is. These Are, are these new creatures? Some kind of troll. It's a swimming troll. Uh, also known as amphibious or aquatic. <laughs> Queen Allison's Tomb and causes a spectral dead effect. Car on the queen's corpse. Ask about the quest steal from her tomb. Seeks them to return anything they have taken as their gifts from her husband, my king. What the fuck is that pronunciation? C y m r y c h. <laughs> All right, King Hugh. Can't explain that he's under threat to the realms. Promise to return the items. Promise to return the items. Bullshit. Queen spits a fae curse. The characters causing the suits of armor to animate and attack. uh right, that's cool. So pretty simple little smash and grab with a few defenses here. Um, I guess this could be, inter- this would just kind of be a small location, maybe you would learn the location of it. Again, the problem is it's already on the map, but I guess maybe the players don't know the context of what's on each map. Could do an elf theme mini-adventure there. How does it work combining the campaign and roll 20? Um, that's actually a good question. So what I've chosen to do is load up the call from the deep module which is fully available on Roll20. You can uh, purchase a Roll20 version on the DMs Guild and then have it in Roll20, which is what you're looking at now. And because in Ghosts of Saltmarsh, you could either A, load it up as its own module, which includes everything, or B, uh, add individual chapters as add-ons to any uh, campaign, which is, is, I think, what they've done with all of the different anthologies, like Candlekeep Mysteries, Radiant Citadel, all of those in Roll20, uh, you can, whenever you purchase it, you can add it on each individual module because they're all, you know, individualized anyway, uh, to any campaign. So I've ch- I'm basically picking and choosing the stuff from Ghost of Saltmarsh I want to use and then adding them into uh, Call from the Deep, which is why you see them at the bottom of my journal here, like there's Salvage Operation, there's Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh as part of their own little uh, section heading, and then those uh, maps will be added uh, at the end as well i don't think i can add like chapter one of salt marsh that has all the like information in there but most of it's involving the town of Saltmarsh, marsh and i'm barely even uh using the town of Saltmarsh. marsh i think in fact one of the changes we decided early on in these crafting streams was uh even though they say in the forgotten realms hey put salt marsh down in the mare of dead men which is like halfway between neverwinter and waterdeep instead i really want to just use neverwinter as our main location and just put Saltmarsh, you know, just maybe like 20 miles right outside, kind of like a suburb of Neverwinter to where it's still got its own like seedy dock area to where you know, it would take a little bit of effort to send out people to deal with Saltmarsh, which is what the players are doing, but they'll have uh, ties to Neverwinter and that'll partly be what I'll be saying in their player primer is, hey, you, you should have some kind of tie to Neverwinter, whether you're from there or you know somebody there or you just work there or whatever. Um, and that way it'll have a lot of meaning when Neverwinter um, gets under attack by the Black Armada alright, so this one is maybe, I guess I should write this in my notes for, not even really a side quest but just as kind of looting what was this one called? Care Allison Uh, let's see, chapter 3, yep Allison spelled like the most eye-rolling white girl way, A L L I S Y N N, but not where you think. In underwater, Elven Castle. All right, we've got Candlekeep we could access to for any reason. That might not be a bad idea. And obviously, there's a shit ton of content from Candlekeep mysteries we could employ. Uh, Let's see, characters might end up in Candlekeep until they accept Ramazeth Flamestinger's quest in Chapter 2. I actually plan on kidnapping Ramazeth, having him be successfully kidnapped, and then the players have to rescue him, which will start off the final enemy from Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Um, But maybe they have to go to Candlekeep to figure out why they captured him or get some follow-up on there. We could add that as a quest chain. So that's there's nothing really here about Candlekeep, but I could um, just use it as a stop off. I, I don't, I just don't see if it's useful uh, using an area. And and it Call for the Deep does this several times, where it's like, hey, you go to Luskin, follow up with the Pirate Council there, and then they just give you information, and then you're done. Like there's no real action content, I guess there, and I feel like my players would be bored by this, especially if it takes like encounters to get there, but. Although I don't think it would... Uh, I don't think you should be running encounters if you're literally just going up and down the coast. That seems kind of bullshit. Uh, e- even in this heightened like pirate era, like... I don't know. Uh, so I don't know if I like st- uh, any kind of quest chain that's literally like, go somewhere, talk to somebody, and then go back. That just feels kind of like a waste of everybody's time if there's not something more interesting going on there. So I, I feel like I, if we're going to go to Candlekeep, in other words, I should come up with something for the players to do there that's... Uh, Interesting and worth using that location for versus just gathering information and then using that as a jumping-off point. But I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Lookwood has a picture, but I don't think it has any kind of uh, map or anything. Another deep scion. A lot of deep scions around on that air. the. Anthropologists investigate, discover a group of kraken society cultists that throws a sanguine ceremony. Three cultists and two berserkers led by a deep scion. Uh, two Berserkers are holding down three commoners while that- where's this? Uh, Cloakwood, I need to go back to the Sword Coast map. Uh, which one was my right one? Is that this one? Yeah, I think it was this one. Is the one without Eskarl. North of Candlekeep, so that's pretty far south. Yeah, okay. Cloakwood, that's pretty near the water. <laughs> Two birds rolling down three commoners of the cultist's chant. The sign repeatedly dips their rusty blade into the sea water that fills the first foot of the cave. Oh, we're in a cave. Uh, emerging one of the sea caves set to the high cliffs. Okay. Once the characters intervene, the sign slashes the throats of the commoners, Use the bloody water to anoint the closed eyes of the cultists. The characters like the deep sign and goes a hideous transformation. Skin blotches, patches of blue, black bruising, a spread it over its entire body. Its fingers come claw like and webbed. Fins and tentacles pierce its skin. This is a great description hidden in this one little side quest and its cheeks peel open revealing row upon row of serrated teeth I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to have copy and paste this is a good description I'll probably use this <laughs> any character that sees a transformation looks in a DC 15 wisdom save getting a random form of short-term madness that's cool that's very horrified that's a that's very Call of Cthulhu-esque just seeing a freaky transformation uh, I picture the uh, the vampires from Blade 2 split their fucking jaw open. So crazy cool looking. Oh, it was capsized by a giant octopus and are plucked out of the water by the cult, chained up, and brought here. If the characters can return the bishop to Merlin, they are ordered with 100 GP by the harbor guards. Wait, what's the goal here? It says anoint the closed eyes of the cultists. Maybe they're transforming cultists into scions or something? You're giving them some kind of water powers? I just... They're just doing generic evil cultist stuff. I feel like this encounter is useful. You could put this anywhere. So maybe I'll write down um, Cloakwood Deep Scion Cult Ritual Encounter. Could be a cave or something, but that's. What I do like, you know, Princes of the Apocalypse did this pretty well, which is you see the villain faction you're working against you see them doing shit out in the world. And that's something I did really enjoy from Princes of the Apocalypse. Like, a lot of the encounters I ended up using were to showcase, like, hey, here's this elemental evil cult doing this thing. Here's this one doing this thing. Here's them setting off, you know, essentially weapons of mass destruction in various cities. Like, you feel like you're really working against um, the villain and trying to thwart them versus the villain just kind of, you know, sitting idly by waiting for the players to storm into their dungeon or lair or whatever. So in this case, you know, seeing the Kraken Society or um, the Black Armada, I guess, would just be the pirates, like having them do bad things around the Sword Coast, having it be prevalent, numerous, and awful uh, would be, just makes good, for good encounters, because it's just more world building to the current events that are happening, so that one gets a a thumbs up for me, Um, no idea if I'll actually set that in the Cloakwood anywhere, but I like that encounter. Uh, what else we got Staggerford is a city I think this one is somewhere on the Sword Coast maybe there it is south of Waterdeep uh, that's a little inland though Gang of Pirates made their way up the river and into the town they raided taverns and noble houses kidnapped citizens and stole precious treasures noble one from Waterdeep a private army of twenty veterans, known as the Goldar Arms, I should remember the Kraken Society, it's slowly gaining power over the Duchess, turning Daggerford into a safe haven for Krakenar on the Sword Coast. Characters are searching for a specific member of the Kraken Society who is fleeing from them. Uh, there's a strong chance they end up in Daggerford, protected by the Goldar Arms. Okay, well that's a pretty hard thing to run—a town that's like overtaken. Uh, hmm. It's like a safe haven for the Kraken Society. I don't know about that one. Uh Dragonspear Castle. Yeah, it's actually one of the more dangerous locales of Sword Coast, for the side of numerous battles against devils and undead. It has sold Dragonspear in multiple occasions throughout its history. Okay. It's kind of a bad area. Driftwood Docks is the important location, which this is the one where they need to learn uh, in order to get. Yeah, Sea King, Tentrix's Floating Lair. The base of the Black Armada. Which there's a ton of different quests they can use to get there. What I'm, what I'm having trouble figuring out is is there just one main quest where they end up learning it? Or can we somehow make this a multi? part quest where they do have to actually do different things like maybe they learn like one of the quests gives them the location of where the Driftwood Docks is but maybe there's another quest where they realize that they can't get in unless they have some kind of magic protection Um, you know essentially there's a, a key that they have to uh, gain which could be like maybe you need your ship to be able to go underwater which is something they talk about in Call from the Deep there's an enchantment you can learn Uh, so trying to come up with things like that, so they actually have to, not just soft-locking the uh, finale, but like creating multiple quest chains where they actually do have to complete multiple steps to make it into the Driftwood Docks, or I could make Driftwood Docks just one of the areas they have to get to, and maybe Driftwood Docks, and through Seeking Tendrix, they only learn part of what they need to get into Purple Rocks, which is actually the finale area Uh, up here, where they the land there, deal with the whole, but it's basically the the main land of the Kraken society from what I can tell and then Ascarl is actually the giant underwater ruins where uh, the endgame does take place. i ice, really not gonna probably use any of Dale because we covered a lot of that before. Okay, a lot of these just have a few paragraphs, you didn't have really an encounters or anything. Flame sturds Sunken Tower southwest of Flam- Flamsterd, maybe? The tower sunken beneath the waves. Visit the southwest coast of Flamsterd. tower is caught with the crannery atop. is occupied by Flamsterd. There's <laughs> three underlings. Ancient wizard of the island of Flamsterd was named. He left the island almost two centuries ago. His previous prince came unruly, creating permanent spell effects. That permanent spell is cast on them for 250 gold. If the characters is willing to be Flamsterd, spare me. He attempts to cast the permanent tongue spell on them for free. That would be really handy. He's got a Gothic in his tower. Used to be his apprentice. That's creepy. Okay. It's kind of an area where they can just chat with some dude and get some powers from. Uh, What have we got? Forest of Tether. That one doesn't even have anything to do with anything. Fort Morninglord. Fort Vuxaria. This one's got a full on map. And it's (laughs) it's right here in front of me. It's in the middle of the ocean. Kind of between Gunderland and the Purple Rocks, just north. So the, the players will definitely be in this region. The only permanent Triton stronghold in the trackless sea is Fort Vuxaria. Okay, we finally got mention of the Tritons. Stone Citadel is built in a deep sea trench north of Gunderland and Purple Rocks. Most Tritons in this adventure hail from Vuxaria, which was... Founded around a century ago. Stands on a rocky plateau within the sea trench and is built of hexagonal blocks of translucent polished green stone. Sidebar, water pressure. <laughs> tritons of Xaria are not unwelcoming, but have a poor understanding of the surface world and assume that any visitors are here to thank them for their unending war against the horrors of the deep. I mean, wouldn't Tritons be... Okay, there they go. I'm- need it. Highly militaristic. Uh, Florga... Lauren Vuxarath manages the militia of Vuxarath, as a master tactician. The Tritons are aware of the existence of Slarkarthel. No shit. Though they are yet to learn of Zelix Four. Okay. Which is the Elder Brain that has taken over Slarkarthel. The characters describe the actions of the Kraken Society and can provide evidence linked between the Society and the Uh, Wait, so they don't even know about the Kraken Society, though? I guess they really don't care about the surface world. All right, it's a hippocamp, a looking creature native to the elemental plane of water with a horse's and fish's tail. I have the statistics of a warhorse. So they can be given hippocamps, so like seahorse-looking things. I think it's supposed to say a horse's head and a fish's tail. You can also buy hippie hippo hippocamp hippo camp barding and lances. So that's the whole point of this area is you can get underwater mounts, I guess. I mean, that's not a bad idea, although I imagine they would be pretty into their boat. I want to try to make their ship as cool as possible. Maybe give them some like, opportunities to upgrade it and care about it. Uh, I do plan on giving them the Sea Seaghost uh, at the end of Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh. Seems to make the most sense. And obviously, the way you make a nautical campaign work is you give them a ship early and then let them care about it. And then do terrible things to it. Unlike the Nautiloid in rhyme I probably won't just destroy it though it works note the fort is home to race of fish like humanoids you're told about the koatoa insane creatures who paddle around the streets aimlessly recently they've been stealing things okay it's not much of a quest Objects, collecting I feel like if the players show up and be like hey there's this giant threat that's like in the ocean mind players are all about they're like assaulting the sword coast like and then the tritons are like yeah I wouldn't really know anything about that also these fish dudes are like stealing from us like there's kind of a weird disconnect there I feel like maybe the tritons would be more on the ball and like already fighting with like maybe they're saying oh yeah the Sawagan are like a lot more organized and vicious and like coming at us so, this is not the kind of side quest I'm looking for. But maybe this could serve as just a random Koatoa dungeon? Koatoa Caverns? Apparently, that's what this dungeon is. The Morkoth Tentacular Spectacular swims in the water bubble. Tentacular is a stuttering creature prone to excitement and repeatedly touches its treasures with its tentacles. creatures who ask the Morkoth, stop stealing from Saria. Fen tentacular. <laughs> okay, wow, there's a lot of treasure in here. Jeez, I get the Yankee Knight as a prisoner. Huh. Especially if you're this close to the Kraken main base, you think the swag or the swag- the uh, Tritons would be like on the ball? So I can't say I'm a... I I like the idea of this Triton Fortress, but the actual unfortunately dungeon quest uh, isn't really doing it for me. The map seems like it has potential, but obviously I'd have to find a color version of it, because that's not going to work. Kind of a cool map design, though. The prison's under the effects of a Reverse gravity spell—that's fun. Four locked cages protrude from the ceiling. Yeah, it's a—it's a neat little dungeon, but I don't see how. I don't want to do like a simple Koatoa dungeon layer side quest. I think the Tritons will be more involved in the main quest, and maybe you don't have to use any kind of quest. I can just use that as a, a staging ground. Especially if they know that Gunderland... Although, Gunderland's already a safe place for them. I was thinking before they get to Purple Rocks in Ascent and basically have to assault it for the end endgame, uh, they could go there, but... Hmm. Gauntalgrim, Dwarven Stronghold, Legendary Forge, Mind Witness, and six Drowly Warrior Thralls attack the Workforce. Golden Fields, Gold Rock. a lot of these locations I recognize from uh, Storm King's Thunder. Just Icewind Dale an entire heading here. Okay, that covers a lot of stuff. The current Archipelago. There's no safe harbor for outsiders in the archipelago. Dear. The characters first arrive, they're attacked by a marine chimera. Rick is captain of a long ship, crewed by thirty Northlander and ten half-work Berserkers. Wow. It uses these t- statistics of a chimera. Okay. <laughs> Where is this? This is down south or somewhere. There's the Nonthar Isles. Oh, there it is, Green Archipelago. It's kind of the north end of the Moonshe Isles. Alright, so it's dangerous. I guess I maybe should look at the map and see, like, is Maelstrom a location? Like, all these locations that look like they've got potential, too. Let's speak Slurkwood, Luskin is where they can go talk to the Pirate Council... I mean, the easier thing to do is just be move the Pirate Council to Neverwinter. Just let them talk to pirates that way. Maelstrom, the floor of the sea, three thousand feet beneath the surface. Oh, that's right. It's the also Storm King's Lair location. Um, the Storm Giants. Don't see any reason to include the Storm Giants. Although, yeah, King Hecaton can provide some information. He can just send them straight to Purple Rocks. If they can make it to the Maelstrom. up Dead Men, which is the swamp. Uh, so Mintarn. I think I actually looked at that location before. So the ancient red dragon. Narino has a map, an abandoned merfolk city south of Minturn. Oh, this is the uh, the vampire lair, isn't it? Yeah, Linjessa's quest in chapter two, which is the vampire Ling. who has been. Because I think there was something about like you need we need um, mercenaries or soldiers or something from Mintarn. and you go to Minturn, they're like, yeah, but they're getting. We're having our own problems, uh, and you think it's this ancient red dragon that they're giving tribute to, but actually it's this fucking uh, water vampire, I guess. I guess if you're dead, you don't breathe water? <laughs> the natural currency of the ocean don't count as running water for any of Mailing's features. CR 13 vampire. Uh, finding a vampire underwater seems like it could be kind of memorable. It's not really a full layer. I mean, I guess it is a layer, but it, I feel like you go down and like immediately talk to her. It's not like you go through a bunch of rooms and get worn down. Did I already write that one down? I don't think I did. So that was... Merino. Underwater, Vampire, layer Near, Mintarn. So we'll pencil that one in. Wood. Owen's Isle had the... Or no, wait, this is a map. This is not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Orlambor. Orlambor had the quest where you go and follow up on the fact that the ships attacking the city uh, are going underwater and you're trying to learn how to do that enchantment. You go to Orlambor and then you get a quest from a dragon to go uh, check out a shipwreck somewhere. I don't know what Omen's Isle is. Omen's Isle is a blasted place controlled by Fomorians that hurl boulders at ships that come too close. That's kind of cool. That's very Greek mythology. The island is home to the ruins of the Iron Keep, once home to the island's rulers. The current ruler is Halfel the Etten, who layers in the Iron Keep with 12 Fomorians. Boy. Creatures attack non-giants on site and fight to the death. Aim to corrupt a moonwell in Omen's Isle and use it to travel to other moonwells in the Moon chase Quest aided Cruth Black Tusks. Where the fuck is this location? Omen's Isle. mention uh, the moonshaze maybe it's somewhere in here there's flamestird don't see omen's isle anywhere I'm guessing it's an island but I'm not sure my brief glance at everything has come up short uh, I visit I in search of the Cairn of Thelgar Iron I don't know who that is. Maybe we should reference that somewhere in the text here. Cairn is in a forest. Oh, that's, but most Norals, including Ralt the Y. Wai- I don't know what who are these characters? Like, what is going on? The Fomorians are locked in combat with three tools and been sent as a distraction to the Kraken Society. The Kraken Society members led by the Tory Maiden of Moray, access to the cairn via subterranean stream and are hoping to plunder its treasures. Okay. Well, I like showing the Kraken Society as villains. Where is this location? In the middle of the Moonshae Isles. Thank you. Oh, it's a big island. Okay. Jeez, Omen's Isle. In the middle of this island, in the middle of the Moonshae Elf Isles, is a island that's full of giants who attack people on sight. It seems uh, dangerous. Storm Maiden of Moray. What is a Storm Maiden? Storm Maiden's a CR eight stat block. Just a medium humanoid, but like a level 8 fighter, I guess. So it's a cairn. It's an center of ring of standing stones. Okay, so that's what the actual dungeon map is. The chamber is a glyph of warding. Giant slayer greatsword called Iron Hand's Reckoning. Carries a political weight amongst the norals. Five berserker spirits. appear than ten feet of the character in attack. Death trap, poisonous flammable gas, nice. So, Trinian River, or five Kraken City spies led by the Storm Maiden. Searching for the magic items buried with Iron Hand are making their way toward Area 5 and attacked by a cloaker. If characters don't intervene, the cloaker kills one of the spies before I'm being dispatched. I do like the idea of going into a dungeon and there's another faction there also hunting in the dungeon. Uh, in this case, coming from a completely different direction. So, you would start here at I1 and they come in here from the river. That's actually pretty cool. So maybe you get wind. So the quest here is you get wind that the Kraken Sight is searching for treasure in Omen's Isle. And you can try to go head them off or something. I guess that sword is what they're after, maybe? The Shrine to Tempest, the Giant Slayer Greatsword. Just does extra damage versus Giants. We're not really fighting that many giant. Oh, the uh, giant versus any creature with a giant type, including ettins and trolls. Wonder if you would just—I don't know—how often would they actually fight those creatures, though, for the rest of the campaign? Hand's tomb, I'm gonna use three thousand GP. A folding boat with a dragon figure that cannot sink. You want to reduce zero points in a suit of maintain t- scale mail. All right, that it's got some good treasure in it. I'll pencil this one in. Another kind of loot-based, you know, small uh, dungeon full of loot. Kronikin Society is there plundering it. Middle of Moonshae Isles. It's got some potential. It's got some potential. Uh, so that was Oman's Isle, so Orlambor, I guess I should write down that one too. That's the one where they get a quest about, um, who was it? I think it was uh, how the how the ships got the enchantments of going underwater, which that would be a great way for me to like, hey, in order to get to this certain location, either purple rocks or uh, through the Nelanthars, maybe you need to have, yeah, have your ship enchanted in some way. And then on the way to this island, they're visited by an ancient bronze dragon who gives them another quest, uh, basically as a way of just getting even near the island, which is to go check out a shipwreck in Asavir's channel, I think. Character search the ocean floor, find the wreckage. It was sunk by the curse of Urfong and the crew were taken to Driftwood docks. So all of that would be pretty relevant, and seems very nautical-flavored, so I think I like uh, that one. The actual sea witch there didn't have, I think she just gives you the information. Uh, I guess it must be under the quest. The Witch of the Waves has a cave-like home in Orlambar. The quest is actually from like a Zantarne to like capture her though, so I don't know, I guess that would be the tricky thing of this quest. But, I mean, even one mage, like, if it's one person by themselves, it's not going to be anything for the party to win that fight. Characters get their own ship enchanted by Dalshar. She only accepts payment on pearls. For 500 gold, the pearls. Characters get their ship to sail beneath the waves. Which is probably... So I'm liking the idea of maybe they need some kind of enchantment on their ship, some kind of upgrade, just in order to access the final area. At Orlambor, but to get to Orlambor, they re- there's another complication, which is the dragon gives them another quest. Um, which where was that at? See, it's an Asavir's channel. See the Asavir's channel section, and it was sunk by Curse of Urfong. I must have missed that section because that would have been up here. Yep. Switch of water between the Nelanther Isles and Dragon's Head, which is right here down south. Transameter's pirate king from centuries past used to plunder new vessels. The strait has been harassed not only by pirates, but an undead dragon turtle known as the curse of Erfong. Go on. The first time characters enter Asivir's channel a seafaring vessel, they are attacked by a zombie dragon turtle. Hello. The Min's beast rises from the waves directly beneath the ship. The characters of the dragon turtle crew can avoid it with successful DC fifteen, group dexterity check. Otherwise, the turtle slams into the bottom of the ship, dealing 5d10 plus 7 bludgeoning damage to it. Dragon Turtle has no interest in killing the crew, only sinking the ship on behalf of its master. See the Sea Tower of Urfong section. If the boat is sunk, a pirate crew of 30 skeletons on a sailing ship called Day's End comes to collect any survivors. They take all survivors of Sea Tower of Urfong and from their driftwood docks. Well, that could be an interesting scenario also. So. Orlembar... Uh, a housework sea wave, but which of the waves knows ship enchantments? Dragon guarding isle, gives quest to check on ship in Asavir's channel. And then Asavir's channel ship was sunk by a zombie dragon turtle. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Don't have a lot of, like, uh, you know, kaiju things going on here. Uh, we've got the giant, whatever it is, Elder Octopus or something from Salvage Operation, which is not meant to be fought. And this is honestly almost a similar situation where maybe you don't necessarily have to fight this creature. Uh, although the players should be higher level by the time they get here to where they could fight it if they wanted to. And I believe zombifying something generally makes it a little bit easier. It should lower its armor class and its speed, although in the water it might not matter. Um, I does give it Undead Fortitude, though, which is pretty hilarious. Ooh, he can summon zombies. Disgorge's zombie, like the zombie T-Rex. That's cool. I would give this thing legendary actions, like this could be a fucking cool fight. Okay, I like that. Let's skip ahead to the Sea Tower of Urfong section, then. I gotta be careful with using the Nullanthurs, though, because that's where Driftwood Docks is located. Um, I have to check the other map to make sure I'm right about that. Yeah, it's on one of these little aisles here. So that's where their ultimate destination is, so they won't be able to really make it. If I want to do my idea of gating them from the area unless they have the enchantment, then they might not be able to get to the Sea Tower of we're falling yet. Yeah, undead fortitude on a zombie dragon turtle. <laughs> Giant zombie creatures that can Discord zombies, like, yes, absolutely is a, such a cool idea. And the zombie T-Rex was such a cool thing. But I will say, those creatures usually need a little bit of tweaking to their stat block, because I don't like the idea of, even though summoning monsters is a great use of their action, I don't like it if a creature literally does not do any kind of attack for its entire turn. So you either need to make that part of its, like, a multi-attack, or have it have legendary actions because it's just you're just getting killed on action economy and you just can't waste its turns even even spawning enemies which is a great thing to do I would not let it be that's only thing it can do Sea Tower of Erfong. judging from a rocky island called Erfong is a stone tower one of several strange structures uh, Sea Tower of Erfong is occupied like, by Tolkien a Red Wizard of Thay who fled to the Nilanthers. Right, Pyrocruis kidnapped babies from the mainland, which used in a dark ritual to reanimate the Dragon Turtle known as the Curse of Urfong. After a few Black Armada vessels were sunk in Asperger's channel by the Beast, seeking so contenderous contact to Tolkien and asked whether he work for the Black Armada, getting Dragon Turtle to sink Lords Alliance warships and merchant vessels passing the Null and Okay. The characters' ship is sunk by the Curse of Urphong, or are searching for the crew of the bombing barrel, might find themselves at the Sea Tower of Erfong. How would they even know, though... I guess they would have to follow this pirate crew of thirty skeletons on a sailing ship, Dale's End, to collect survivors. Um, otherwise, there's not—you wouldn't really have much context if you just if you just fought this creature and killed it. So, if you were looking for the ship, you fought the zombie dragon turtle and killed it. Uh, you'd never really get that connection unless I manufactured one. So you find some kind of like collar around its neck or something that says that uh, has the address of the Sea Tower on it. Stop the Tower there. Will-O-Wisps, Boneyard has five skeletal swarms, animate and attack them in the area. Is it just basically the tower map? Hi, sweetheart. I got panty I got on my shoulder. I see you. Is it almost time to be done? Mm-hmm. I think so. God, we're only like... How far have we made it through Chapter 3? Well, pretty far, actually. In fact, Sea Tower was the last one with a map. So there's still some other areas I would like to get through, but... Yeah, there's a, there's a lot in Chapter 3. And there there is some good stuff. I mean, I wanted to really cut the wheat from the shaft here because I don't need that much extra content. And I knew going into it with Chapter 3 I wasn't going to need that much because I've got Ghost of Saltmarsh. So I'm already inserting all of that stuff, which is really long, you know, big quest chain stuff. These aren't little... The Ghost of Saltmarsh modules are not little side quest uh, content like a lot of this might maybe would be. Zombie T-Rex, Barf Zombies, a bonus action. Perfect. That works really well. I would probably do that here with a bonus action. Yes, the only weird thing is the tower might be gated from the characters, but... It could just be... I mean, I I could have a fun follow-up there if they end up going to the Sea Tower once they make it in here and be like, oh yeah, this is the dude who made the zombie dragon, but otherwise the quest was just to find... Although it did say the crew was taken there, wasn't it? They took all survivors to the Sea Tower. And from there to Driftwood Docks, okay. So I guess if they find the shipwreck in Asavir's channel, then they might find evidence that was taken into the Nelanthar. But they can't get into the Nelanthar until they get the enchantment, so they could go back to uh, the island of Orlambor and be like, hey, we need that enchantment to make it into the Nelanthar. Unfortunately, that's like a big go up, and then go all the way back down. (laughs) And then the Nelanthar is actually where the, the big pirate thing is. But... I could let them do things a little bit out of order. Like, they could end up doing Driftwood Docks a little bit, you know, before they do the Sawagan quest chain, for example. And I want to kind of give them that opportunity to uh, choose their quests in this one middle act of the game. Uh, You know, basically from between we do Purple Rocks, which is what I consider Act 3, which also includes Ascarl, the final epic dungeon. And then the beginning of the game, which is Sinister Secret, Salvage Operation, all of Chapter 1 from Call from the Deep. And then, uh, I guess most of Chapter 2 from Call from the Deep, which is the defense of Neverwinter, would all be like Act 1, and then Act 2 would be this big middle section that I've been uh, doing all the work for. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll continue our discussion of uh, more of Call from the Deep's Chapter 3, but otherwise we also need to get started really minutely planning and getting our, my maps together for the actual beginning of this campaign, which right now is going to tentatively start on September 8th. We've got two more weeks of Tomb of Horrors left, and then I think we're going to jump right into, uh, we do have a session zero first, so I should say session zero, we'll start, we'll start with uh, session eight. So we've got uh, some time before jumping in, but uh, with the amount of work I've got to do with the maps and tokens, it's it's going to be some work there. All right, that is going to do it for this Thursday edition of Crafting the Deep. If you enjoy the content, do check out patreon.com. Rogue Watson. Shouts Platinum Patrons: Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, Brandon, Centercutter, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Role, Christopher, Brian, Corey, coet 1337, Big Nut, John F, John L, Scott, Eric, Tyler, Nathan, Camp Crystal, and Counselor, Andrew C, Daryl, The Reilder, and Matt, Captain Woody 79, Jaren, Matthew, Argia, Stephanie, and Andrew H. And Gold Patrons: RPG Paper Pretty Boy, and Yuma. That does Lion, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fast Like a Tortoise, Scott, Rufus, Karen, William, Jerry, Thomas, and Prophet. Thank you all very much for your support. And uh, if you are a patron in tonight's game, I will see you tonight for another Empire of the Ghoul session. The rest of you, I will see you for uh, Tomb of Horrors on Friday.